Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Discipleship Pastor Matt Miller has a message titled, Tackling the Money Monster. Join us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Good morning. You guys awake? All right, all right. I am Pastor Matt. If it's your first Sunday visiting, I'm not typically standing up here. So uh, lead pastor Ben, is uh, he's on vacation this week, and he'll be back um, next week. But I'm continuing on a series that we've been in, and um, just really happy to be up here speaking with you guys this morning. Um, if you want to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4, we'll be there today. And before we get too far into it, um, there's a discussion group thing we're starting up here at the church called Ramsey Plus. You got that slide up there. So I think you guys have probably heard about us talk about this a, a, a couple of the other weeks here. But we're starting a discussion in community groups, or we're hoping to start a discussion in community groups that addresses this idea of money and wealth and possessions. And every fall, we do a church-wide series set for the pandemic, right? Took the wind out of our sails. We didn't get to do one that year. But every um, fall we've been open here in this building, we do something as a church. We all come together and do we, we tackle some area of discipleship or something that we want to chip away at as a church. And the children's ministry, they all go through it in a way that's appropriate for children. So they're going to be talking about saving your money and um, responsibility, uh, work, all that kind of stuff that we want to instill into our children. And Noah, Pastor Noah Atkins, has the youth here on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. They're going to be going through a version of it. It's not the same thing that we're going through. We try to do it as a church and link arms together and all be having the same discussion at the same time because it's really rich like that. You know, and it gives um, us as parents a platform to talk with our kids about it when they come home from church because we've been talking about the same stuff. And uh, it, it just creates this really rich discussion across the church body where we're all thinking and going through the same kind of stuff. So there's some rationale behind that too. You know, we were looking at this fall, what, what should we chip away at? Where do we feel like the Lord's directing us? And we're still in this this spot where we're coming out of this pandemic or we're out of it. It depends on who you talk to. Some people are like, it's over. Some people are like, no, it's not, you know. But one of the things that we kind of observed as people were going through that time, and some people that are sitting here in the audience too, it's financially, there were a lot of people that just really struggled and, and wrestled. And that maybe some of you guys, that maybe somebody that's in your life that you were attached to and you got to be a, a blessing or, or reach a hand out to them, we just noticed that, that that's one aspect of this kind of being a thing that we should pay attention to and something that's a part of our culture. I'm going to kind of dive into that actually a couple layers deeper in the message today. But there were some folks that were really struggling. And here's another one. I'm going to make a pretty strong statement. I want to say the church is ineffective at dealing with this topic. The church is ineffective about talking about possessions and wealth and finances. And it's not because the church doesn't want to. It's because nobody wants to talk about it, right? You're meddling. <laughs> it's private. It's personal. And I don't necessarily think that we ever set out to be that way. It's the reality of how it is. And that's our culture, you guys. That the, 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 our culture, the culture we live in, says that finances is an off-limit taboo topic. So 
in the church then, we just say the same thing. We say, well, finances is an off-limits taboo topic, and we shouldn't talk about it. But I'm going to try to make a strong argument in the message this morning. I think that's a bad idea. Just say it that way. I think it's a bad idea. Let's not do that. We called the message this morning the money monster. So when you think, uh, like, get a, get a monster in your head, right? Like, what does a monster look like? What's your version of that? If you've just, like, inserted your favorite political figure there, just push that out. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I mean, like, think about the movies. Think about something in the movies where you're like, okay, I got the villain. I've got the monster. What, are, what is a monster like? What are the things that characterize that? They're things that we are we're fearful of, right? We're fearful. It causes um, stress and anxiety, it's something that we feel like we don't maybe have a, a solid grasp of control over. Like maybe that thing will control us. Usually a monster is something that's powerful. And it has a, it has a powerful presence. It has the ability to exert power over us. So monsters, all those things. Like maybe it's going to overtake us. We would say that about a monster. And that's why we're kind of scared or fearful of it. Money, it's not evil, Right? It's the source of some evil. It can be used for evil things, but money is paper. Money is, listen, it's not even paper. I mean, how many of you guys really, you boomers got the check in your wallet. I know it's blank. You're ready to write it, right? But everybody else, we use plastic. <laughs> and we, we like Venmo and Zelle people, uh, all sorts of money. Now it's ones and zeros on a computer. It represents commodities. It represents wealth. It represents all that kind of stuff. But money in itself is not a bad thing but it seems to be associated with almost anything that's evil in the world. It does. It seems to be associated with it. We're going to talk about that a little bit more too. So what I, the structure of the message today, if I can communicate just two things. I want to communicate um, what, what I kind of feel like are the two pitfalls to, these are two big reasons why this is a tough one, okay? And it's not going to be comprehensive. It's not going to be exhaustive. I just want to focus on two things and say these are the pitfalls to dealing with money, wealth, and resources. This is why it's tough, okay? So the first one, pitfall number one, we struggle to view our wealth and resources through the lens of eternity. We struggle to view our wealth and our resources through the lens of eternity and the impact and what comes after this life. So let's unpack that a little bit. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We've been asking this question a lot, right? We've been asking this question on the Sundays prior to this. What does it look like to view all of life through the lens of eternity? Not just this area of discipleship, but all of life through the lens of eternity. And saying, making the argument that from the Bible's perspective, from the truth that's written in the Bible, eternity is supposed to change the way that we see life. It's supposed to have a dent and supposed to have an impact. But do you remember Pastor Ben's message last week if you were here? I love this phrase that he used. He's talking about the amnesia of eternity. That was one of the things I latched on to from his message, the amnesia of eternity. We forget that eternity's there. A lot of us believe, there's a belief that it's there, but on an everyday basis, it's not one of the things that's informing our perspective. We tend to forget we have an amnesia of eternity. Oh, that, was, that was really great. So we've been talking about eternity. We're going to keep talking about eternity today. And I want to I pose this idea with money. Eternity becomes one of the prescriptions that remedies the problem. Eternity, I think, becomes one of the prescriptions that remedies the problem. I'll maybe say it this way too. You ever go to the doctor's office and you're like, hey, there's something wrong with me? And they're like, 
yeah, we can treat it symptomatically. You're like, thanks? <laughs> like, well, I'd rather you fix the problem. Like, give me the, give me the thing that's the fix. Let's get at the root of it. Let's, let's tackle why it's wrong and fix that thing instead of just making me feel better about it, you know? I would say that eternity, it gets at the root of this because it starts shifting our perspective. It doesn't change the circumstances. It doesn't change the circumstances. It changes the perspective by which we view the circumstances, which makes all the difference, actually. I, I would say that that's more powerful than changing the circumstances themselves. Let's read in... Um, um, 2 Corinthians here. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. This is the red, a letter that Paul wrote to the, the church at Corinth. And um, here's some of the things he said in, in, in chapter 4, verse 16. He says, Therefore we do not despair, but even if our physical body is, being, is, is wearing away, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary Light suffering is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison because we are not looking at what can be seen but what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary but what cannot be seen is eternal. Let me ask you guys this question. What if you could, what if you could die and then come back and live again? And what I mean by that is, what if you could die and experience the things that are after, the, the things that the Bible says that are after this life? When you die, these things will happen. And I'm talking about, you're standing before Jesus, the risen Christ, our Savior. You're standing before Jesus, and you're giving an account. You're talking about the way you spent your time, uh, your intentions, your thoughts, the activities and actions you engaged in, the Bible is very clear that he sits there as the judge of those things, and he'll weigh. He will weigh those things. So picture you've gone through that. You come back. You're looking around. Do the things that you look at, do the things you engage in, does it change the way that you see those things? You know, and I'll, I'll, to, to put some wheels on the ground of like how this plays out in my life, I had a meeting with the community group leaders. We've met twice over the summer building up to this fall. And one of the things I told them is I, I was getting ready to share a little devotion on eternity with you guys, the community group leaders. And uh, in the midst of that, right, right as I was preparing for that, I, I had sat on my backyard, on my back porch, looking out on my backyard with my wife. I was looking at my backyard. And um, I think I have a nice backyard. I like it. I, I mean, it's, I moved into a house that had a finished backyard don't have to do anything, right? You know, it's got, there's grass out there, there's some fruit trees, it's irrigated, there's some lighting, there's some flagstone. I mean, it's finished. Like, there's not the dirt patch from the old house that I was never willing to do anything with, right? It's finished, and I love it. So we sit out there, and it's nice. It's a, it's a huge blessing um, that the Lord's provided. And we're sitting there, and we're kind of dissecting the backyard a little bit, and we're looking at, well, we could change that thing, and we can make that a little bit a little bit better, and we were, both of us were talking about how, like, there's a border that goes around the outside of the grass, and we're like, we don't like that thing. Maybe we should get rid of that, change that border. And the thing that's playing in the back of my mind is I'm about to talk with the community group leaders about eternity. Is this, like, should I be saying, who cares? Why does the border matter? Leave the border alone. I'm not, I'm not being critical of my conversation. I understand we make house improvements. We do all that kind of stuff. 
but it made me think about it. It made me think, should I, should I be looking at this through a different lens or a different perspective? I got to take my kid to um, this arena football game last night down at the TCC, and it was awesome. I've never taken him to something like that before. And I just took Jack, my son, and did like a father-son thing down there, and it was really great. Um, but it, it makes me think about stuff like that too. Like I have, the, I have this goal of wanting to spend relational and quality time with my family. That's a pretty normal, typical goal of somebody that wants to do something with their family, right? But it made me think, you know, even like as we're walking to the game, we're walking back home or sitting eating the, the tacos that we ate before the game, you know, should, should, I, try, should, I, should, I, should I ratchet it up a little bit? Should I, should I be having more intentional conversations with my son about Jesus and how he's going to encounter them, you know, Jesus and the world colliding at school or the things that are going on in his life or the things that are going on in my life, should I be a little bit more intentional about that? Not just to say I want to have quality time, but maybe it informs the quality of the time. And it changes my perspective about how I go about those kind of things. <clears throat> so I want to look at this, this, this verse that we just read, this passage we read out of Corinthians. Paul's talking about his view of life. And this, this point that I want to put up on the screen is that eternity, it completely changed the way that Paul inter- interpreted life circumstances. It completely changes the way that he sees things. And you hear him talking in a different way in this passage then I feel like I talk about the things that happen in, in my life. Let's look at some of those things. He says, do you guys notice? He, he says the words momentary and light. Momentary and light. So if, if you know anything about like, the backdrop of Paul's life, the things that he went through and experienced, they're not momentary and light. And I wouldn't describe anything like that. I mean, I, I don't think I've gone through the magnitude of what he's gone through, but I've gone through some stuff in my life and I'm like, I don't know if I would describe that as momentary and light. And I want to read a couple things in the same letter as 2 Corinthians 11. And I'll just put the verses up here on the screen. 2 Corinthians 11, um, 24, Paul starts unloading a little bit of his story and saying, I've gone through these things. And he says, so five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent adrift in the open sea. I've seen... Dangers from my journeys, dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own countrymen. And it goes on. I don't even have to keep reading it. Like Paul's outlining, he's like, I've been through all this stuff, but just a couple chapters before in the same letter, he's writing to the church at Corinth. He's saying, I look at my things, the things I've gone through as light and momentary. And I raise an eyebrow at that. And I say, hmm? How? I have a hard time doing that in my own life to say that it's, it's light and momentary, but, but I think that there's a little bit too much in my life of looking at life through a perspective of this is the normal expectation that I have on life. Like I kind of expect a certain quality of life. And I kind of expect things to go this way generally. And I expect to, to line things up and set things up in my life and make good decisions to avoid pain. And I don't want to suffer. And I don't want to have to go or undergo too much change because change hurts. That's the lens that I think I impose on much of my life. And I don't know that I'm too dissimilar to the rest of the church. But Paul's seeing it different than I am. I know he is because of the way he talks. He says other things like, we do not despair. Which again is an odd thing to say in terms of getting beat and shipwrecked and stoned. 
we don't despair over those things because I'm looking at this other thing, actually, and it changes the way that I see what's going on. You could tell, too, when he looks out at eternity, and he's got a perspective of that, that perspective to him is comforting to him. And he says things like, he has the phrase in here, he says, beyond all comparison. So that the suffering that I'm going through is producing an eternal weight of glory. It's producing an eternal weight of glory. So not just that the eternal weight of glory comes after these things, but he believed that the things that he was enduring and going through was producing something greater. It was producing something. And he looks at those things, he says, the things they're producing are so far beyond comparing them to anything that I undergo here, even though it seemed like he underwent the most extreme of circumstances. Eternity completely changes the way that he sees his life, and I feel like I need more of that in my life. It's just, it strikes me sometimes. It takes me back, because even as I'm preparing this message, I'm kind of saying, like, wait a minute. I've had a lot of journeying here. Like, I, I remember saying the prayer to accept Jesus at day camp when I was five, and I grew up in the church, and I went to youth group, and I went to Bible college, and I've been involved in the church, and I've just done a lot of this stuff. I work at a church full-time as a spiritual leader, Right? And there's times when I'm looking at my day and I'm like, gosh, I'm a far cry. Like, I'm on, I'm on a journey too. I hope you guys really realize that, that your leaders are far from perfect and that we're on the same journey that you guys are. I'm trying to, to see life through the same lens. And I, I have the amnesia as well. I struggle to see it. I struggle to see it on a day-to-day basis. That's why it's good for me to write a message every now and then, Right? You know, to reorient and um, make sure I'm studying the Lord's word. That's the pitfall. If I view money through the lens of having a certain quality of life and having these things and having status or having power, I've turned money into a monster. I have let that thing that is, it's an inanimate, it's just an object, but I've let it become powerful and let it become a monster. But if I start seeing life through the lens of eternity, that there's there's something after that's beyond all comparison. It starts to change not just this area of discipleship, but every aspect of my life. Not changing the circumstances, but changing how I intersect the circumstances. And it kind of takes the wind out of the sails of the money monster, right? Just deflates it. Now it's not a thing. I love that. Um, pitfall number two. Let's just dive into this next point. We've been talking about this. It's not going to sound like something new, uh, but there's some things I want to present on it. It's uncomfortable for us to talk about money, but I think we should do it anyway. And I'll just say it like that. I think we should do it anyway. So I had a, I had a meeting with the community group leaders over the summer that I've already told you guys about, and I gave them a piece of paper, and I said, hey, I want to start, I want to start a discussion in community groups this fall. This is what we want to do. And I gave them a paper on just, here's how and why. It's the vision casting. Here's how I think we should talk about it. Here's the rationale, the reasonings, why I think we should do this. And I thought, why don't I just tell you guys what I told them? So, like, tell my leaders one thing, and I'll tell you something else. No, let me just tell you. I'll give you the same paper. I'm going to put it on the screen. I'll just give you the same paper that I gave community group leaders. I say, this is why I think we should talk about this. These are some of the things I think we should kind of marshal with the people that we're, we're shepherding um, because I think the Lord in this season wants us to pay attention to it. So I'm going to buzz through some points kind of quickly 
But here's why I think we should start talking about something that we don't talk about very much. Number one, finances has a huge impact on our lives. I know you guys already know that, but I want to throw some quick stats at you. Do you guys know that the number one cause for divorce is disagreement over finances? It's the number one. And marriage is something that we really pay attention to in the church. We want to pay attention to in our society and our culture. We're talking about something that's powerful enough to be the number one reason that it doesn't work out. I think that's compelling. Did you guys know that the number one cause for stress and anxiety counseling is financial matters, financial issues, um, uncertainty about the future, um, wrestling with past mistakes, failure, all that kind of stuff. It's the number one reason for uh, stress and anxiety counseling. The number one cause uh, worldwide for male suicide is financial ruin. So I just picked three of those things. There's more, but I picked those three to say, I think we should sit up and pay attention. I think we should acknowledge that this, this has potential to be a monster, and then in a lot of areas of life, it is a monster, and that we should talk about it. And I, I could point towards saying, you know, there's power, there's greed, there's murder, there's an industry for sex out there. There's, there's addiction. There's all sorts of these things that we see in the world, and much of it has money so closely tied to it. Someone's making money off of it. It's the root of what's going on. It's not the only area that's messed up with some of those things. There's other sin issues. There's other things that could be righted and fixed, but don't try to tell me that money's not a part of it. And I feel like I could have gone, I could have spent some time scripting in some examples. I just don't think I need to. I think we're like, yeah, I agree. I see a lot of problems that stem from money. It eats away at our joy, our satisfaction, our contentment. It affects our self-worth. It either drives a lot of the decisions we make or the decisions that we have made, they have a ripple effect on other areas that become the secondary effect of money. Number two, number two, we impact one another. We impact each other. So 2 Corinthians 4, again, the same letter that we've been reading out of 2 Corinthians 4.14 says, the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many members. And that's you guys. You guys are all members of the same thing that I'm members of. And later on in the passage, it says, if one member suffers, then all suffer together. And this, the scripture kind of sheds light on this fact that we impact one another, that the stuff, the decisions, the junk in my life, it's not just affecting my life, but it has a ripple effect on the spheres that I'm involved in and the lives around me and my family, and not just my family, but you guys, which is also my family, right? We're a church family, a family of families. And my sin affects you. It does. We're not isolated or independent. And I think for that reason, because this is such a tough topic and a big issue, we should start talking about it. You can't fix it if you're not talking about it. You ever notice that? Like in your marriage or another relationship, if something's kind of messed up, you feel a little bit powerless in the situation if you feel like there's no communication. You, you, don't, you don't see a pathway towards a resolution or fixing it, you know? It seems like the starting point of fixing a relationship is I got to get it out there and out in the open and be a little transparent and vulnerable. And if I start talking about it, I'm hoping to get closer to the solution. But if I don't start talking about it, I can't get any farther down the road. Number three, Jesus talks about money, wealth, and possessions as much or more than any other topic. And you look at, if I were to reel that point back in and just say, what do you guys think Jesus talked about the most? And maybe people would say, well, I think he talked about sin. 
I think he talked about heaven. I think he talked about God, maybe marriage. You know, a lot of the major, big picture themes of the Bible, right? But money is so high up there on the list of how often he came back to this topic, how often he talked about how it was tied to our heart. I think if we want to be in good company, we should talk about it too. Number four, the pursuit of wealth and possessions are, are among the chief competitors to God. And he says this, we've been going through some of the Sermon on the Mount with Pastor Ben and um, in Matthew 6, 21 right there. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's not that I attach my heart to something and then the money follows my heart. Bible says it's actually the other way around. Where you put your money, place your money somewhere. And I mean, go... Go test this. Go try it. Just leave church today. I'm not actually suggesting this, but go buy a toy, all right? Something that you really like. Something that's really fun. Something that you've been waiting for. And maybe you shouldn't spend your money on it, okay? But go buy a toy and tell me that your heart doesn't get a little bit attached to that thing because I have the toys too and I've even bought some of them recently and I realize that there is a magnetic effect where all of a sudden that, that occupies my time. It occupies my thoughts. How am I going to use that? How am I going to find time to use that? What am I going to cut out? Um, where our money goes, our, our, our heart follows it. We've got to pay attention to that. Jesus also says it, you know, in Matthew 6, 24, you can't have two masters. You can't serve these two things. The, the two will collide to a certain extent if money grabs too, too great of a hold on your heart. It, it conflicts with Jesus wanting our heart. <clears throat> Number five, wealth and possessions affect our ability to engage in ministry. It does, doesn't it? When it distracts us, maybe it's a past decision that you've made and it's created a ripple effect and it's starting to wreck something in your life. Well, now you've got to spend your time fixing it and focusing on that and, and the staying up late at night thinking about it and losing sleep and that thing occupies you. Or go to the other end of the spectrum. What if you just have a lot of wealth? Tell me it's not distracting, okay? I don't feel like I have a lot of wealth, but I know compared to the rest of the world that they say, like, I'm probably in the top 4% of the world, right? And we're a single-income family working at a church, but go pull and pop my garage door open, and there's like a three-car garage there and one little aisle I can walk through because it's got that much stuff. I'm like, where does all this stuff come from? Why do I have all this stuff? And if I want to do something about it, it's going to suck my time. I have to go out there and spend a couple weekends just sorting through it, and I've tried, and it's kind of still sitting there. So I don't know. I'm just kind of illustrating that um, our wealth and our possessions can, can easily get to a point without us being intentional about it that they're very distracting for us and the things that we have, and now we've got to manage it. And you guys heard people say, mo money, mo problems, right? I've got to deal with it. The stuff that my money's produced, I've got to go deal with it. Number six, to fight the its personal culture. So you could even set the money, wealth, and uh, possessions discussion aside for a second. So any area of your life that you're going to impose that statement onto, you know, and I, I just want to throw it out there that I realize that, there's, that we've been burned in the past. Everybody's probably got a story if you lived enough life where someone hurt you because you put yourself out there 
and you were a little bit transparent or vulnerable, and then because the other person's a sinner, just like you're a sinner, they were sinful and it hurt you in some fashion. And I I get that. So there's things that we're saying, hey, it's personal, but I don't want to, I don't want to let some, I don't want to let past experiences distract me or sidetrack me for what God created me to be. And I don't want you guys to do that either. And he created us to be in community and he created us to have transparency and he created us to say, you know, I need encouragement too. I need prayer too. I need motivation. I need someone to come alongside me and kick me in the butt sometimes when I'm not doing the right thing or I've gotten distracted. And if, if we're at the point where we just say it's personal and I'm not going to talk about it, we cut ourselves off from what, what I would call a lifeline. We cut ourselves off from being able to engage in this and grow in this area. So whether it's money or possessions or any other area of life, if you're in this boat where you're like, I'm a rock, I'm an island, I'm not going to talk to anybody, I'm going to do my own thing, I just don't believe that we're created to be that. And I think we've got to rail against it. And I'm not saying it's easy. i got my stuff that I don't want to talk to people about too. But the Lord wants me to push into that and lean into that and fight that. Because there's a natural part of me that shouldn't be driving that. The, uh, the last one here, I just call it discipleship in all areas of life. I don't, want, I don't want God to be the God of some instead of being the God of all. Maybe we just need to write that down and get some sticky notes and go stick it on stuff. You know, like, I don't want him to be the God of some. I want him to have this area too. Maybe I need a, I, I probably need a sticky note on my refrigerator. So stay out here. <laughs> You're eating too much or whatever it is, you know, um, Sticking out on my mirror. Say, don't worry about it. Um, I think I need a sticky note in this area of my life too that says, I don't want to be compartmentalized. I don't want to say, Lord, I want to do well in these areas and do good with these things. And it's okay for you to have this, but there's this other area over here that I'd rather not pay attention to in the Gospel of Mark. I think in all the Gospels, it's actually a, there's a mirror verse. But it says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything, everything. He's not, he's not like, hey, I just want some. The Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, it tells us that God is a jealous God. He's after us. He wants us. Or his creation that he's redeeming. And he, he doesn't want us to say, you can have these things, but I got the area over here where you're like, eh. you can't have that. So I think we need to pursue discipleship in all areas of our lives, so that every facet is, is, is going in the same direction. We're saying this facet of my life is producing an eternal weight of glory. This facet of my life mirrors that I'm thinking about this other thing, eternity in mind, and it reflects that that's an important thing. I want to move into this last section. We usually call the last section of the message. What does this have to do with me? I think this has been actually a pretty practical message up to this point. I changed the wording, and I said... Does this have to do with me? Because we've been talking about it for a few weeks now and the bulk of the audience is probably like, hey, I already know what you're talking about. We've been talking about it. I already know what we're trying to do. But there's been enough feedback. There's been enough comments from people that, maybe I'll say it this way. It's like, I'm not fully bought in. I'm resistant. I have my concerns. I don't want to, uh, you know, just kind of fill in the blank there. So I wanted to talk about a couple of these things very directly. The first one is, what if you don't like Dave Ramsey? Because he's the guy, he's the face behind 
all this stuff we're doing, right? Well, what if you don't like Dave Ramsey? Well, so, most of the people I've talked to that have made that comment haven't gone through the material. So kind of say, maybe just explore it a little bit before you're, you're dug in enough on it. And then I would also say this. I'm fully willing to, re- to recognize that Dave Ramsey's not perfect. I'm fully willing to recognize that he's not God and that the Financial Peace University curriculum is not the Bible, okay? And you don't need to swap it out for your Bible yet. Kidding. Don't write that one down. <laughs> but I know it's not perfect, guys. I know it's not going to do everything that needs to get accomplished or done. It's a piece of it. It's a discussion starter, I think. It's a discussion starter in an area that I think we need to start a discussion in. I realize that it's a financial literacy course. I realize maybe it has some shortfalls where I wish Dave Ramsey got into the heart of some of this stuff more. You know, there's a, there's an area, there's a gap there that I think, and we're trying to offset some of that gap on Sunday morning. It's the reason I'm talking up here right now, actually. Um, I think that Dave Ramsey has a way of doing it, and it's good. His way is good, and I believe that. And I believe that because for almost 10 years now, we've offered these classes on Wednesday nights, and we've taken people through the classes, and people have said, this is such a great class. I'm so glad I took this, and it made this dent in my life. And they can actually share numbers with us, and they say, look what I've done, because this class changed a lot of my life, and it's a good thing. So I'm saying all that. But I'm, not, I'm saying that maybe it, there may be another way, too. He doesn't have the only way. I think there's room for a nuanced discussion for financial literacy and the way to do it. But I'm telling you, you can't dive into the nuances if you don't come to the discussion. And honestly, I think our leaders are kind of there too where they're prepared to bring that. We're using this as a resource and a tool, but we would love to have some of the nuanced discussions. We honestly would. I think sometimes people impose this on the church staff, like, you're, you're just saying that this is everything. This is everything, and you're drawing a line. And no, we're not. I just want to start a discussion. That's, I, I'm, <laughs> I just want to start a discussion. Um, let's look at this, this other point. Um, the way I chose to word this one was, what if you've already accomplished your financial goals? What if you've got the savings? You check the box on I got rid of my credit card debt. I paid my house off. I'm like, I've already done all of it. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't, I'm done with it. But let me, let me throw this perspective at you to, to sit on and think about. Are you done growing in this area? You know, I understand that you've accomplished a lot and you've gotten through a lot, but are you telling me that you're done growing here? Because I would still say that this magnetic principle that Matthew is written about in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus talks about where my my heart's drawn to my money. That's going to happen until you die. And with whatever wealth or possessions or fixed income that you have that you're operating under, the magnetic effect's going to happen until you die. It is. It's not going anywhere. And I think that the Lord wants us to continually latch on and grab on to the next way that we can grow in that area. And if you have seen this track record and just been blessed by the Lord of being pull through and you've, you've accomplished some things financially, turn around and pour that back into somebody else. Because there's other folks that have accomplished some of that stuff or not. There's other folks that, um, that have a fixed income and they're struggling. They are. That's a reality. I think sometimes the Lord gives us this, this blessing and this gift of having walked a, a season of life 
And the reason he gives us that is so that we can turn around and be a resource and kind of unload it on someone else. So I would really encourage you, don't, don't check out of this conversation because we're able to have this as a church, as a church-wide discussion. And I think it's really rich when we get the older folks and the younger folks, the people that have you know, completed some of the journey, the people that are just starting out all together in the same discussion. I'd encourage you to find some way to be a part of that because I, I just don't think the Lord's done with you. You know, if you've got breath in your lungs, right? He ain't done. He wants to do something. So we really want this to be a springboard, a launching point. I don't look at my message this morning and think about it from a perspective that once I'm done talking and I pray and say amen, that you guys will leave and it is satisfied what you need in this area of discipleship. If anything, it's a drop. If anything, it's a drop in the bucket. There's no way that there's that much weight on what I'm saying, I promise you. Because discipleship is a journey. It happens over time. And it happens in and out of seasons. And things will continue to change. You know, my marriage, I'm in a different spot. I'm 10 years in, right? I'm in a different spot now than I was after one year in. And one year in, there were things that are rough. And they're just different things that are rough now. And then before I was married, I needed to hear and focus on something else. Before I was married, I needed to hear and focus on something else. And there's all these seasons with marriage. There's seasons with parenting. You got one kid that's a preschooler. It's so much different than later on. I like, I got one in college. I got one in high school. I got one in middle school. And now I got one in elementary. You're like, oh, what are you dealing with? That's a lot different than the person that's just getting ready to have a kid, right? So, guys, we move through seasons, and there's, there's not a, there, I don't think it exists that we check things off and just say, okay, I'm good in that area, and I'm not going to focus on it anymore. I believe that the Lord is calling us to come back and look at this discussion as a church, church-wide. I do. And I want you to be a part of it. I think we should be a part of it. I don't think it's going to fix everything. I don't think a sermon series, I mean, we could do six weeks up here. I don't think it's going to fix everything. And I think we're about to launch into this nine-week-long thing. And I don't think it's going to fix everything. But what I'm hopeful that it does, as I, I hope we have these groups of people, there's 300 people at the church that are involved in these. I hope that these, there's groups of people that say, hey, this was a little bit tough for me to talk about before. And now that we've done this, I think it might be easier to come back later in the conversation or in three months when I'm struggling with something in this area, and maybe I wasn't struggling for that nine-week period, but I'm struggling with something in that area, and there's something weighing on me, there's something that's not going right. Hey, we already had that discussion, so I think I can come back to it and raise my hand and tell my group, would you guys pray for me a little bit? Because this is not going well right now. But I think if we don't dive into it at some point and try to pry that door open a little bit more than it is right now, it's so closed off, we're going to continue to have um, a lot of isolation and a lot of people that are just shouldering it all on their own, and we're willing to talk about all this other stuff in our groups. But this discussion just rarely happens, and you know that if you're a part of a group. I mean, tell me the last time your group talked about finances, and probably just shaking your head because nobody talks about it. Nobody wants to. So it's not going to solve all our problems, and I think that the, the bar is set at a level where I think there's very reasonable expectations for this. Let's start a conversation and hope that the conversation continues and makes it easier for people to talk about something that's difficult. There's a way to sign up for this. And then I hope, I hope a bunch of you sign up today. I hope it generates all sorts of work for me. 
to plug you into a group, but I really do. That's what I'm going to be doing this afternoon. Let's pray together. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for just beautiful weather outside, Lord, and for being able to see how richly you've blessed us, whether it's through creation, God, whether it's through, you know, looking at our garage full of stuff, you know. Um, God, I think you've made us wealthy and you've given us all sorts of resources, all sorts of experiences. God, I pray that you would help us to break into this conversation. We can't do it without you, Lord. We can't do it without you paving the way. I pray that you'd be knocking on our hearts and chipping away and, and getting us to the point where we're a little bit more willing to say, all right, I'll do it. I'll engage. I'll be a part of that because I think it's important for the rest of the church. And I think if we get stale and stagnant on this com- conversation and we get stale and stagnant in this area of growth, that we really become no different than the rest of the world where we see this monster that rages out of control. God, I pray that we would invest in things in eternity, that's really what's important. And the little blip that we're living here and now is not. And then maybe we cause ourselves to ask us, ask the question, like, when is the last time that I grew in this area? There's some facet of this that maybe the Lord wants me to grow in. God, make that clear and give us the discipline to do it. We love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com. <laughs>